Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Janice, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is December 6th, Thursday, 2012. We are reading from the big book, and today we are in the chapter Into Action on page 76, and we'll be beginning with the third paragraph on that page, starting with We Need More Action. The reference number for yesterday, which was Wednesday, December 5th, is 3460. That's 3460. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I would now like to ask Irini to please read the 12 steps. Thank you so much, Janice. Good morning, my spiritual brothers and sisters. My name is Irini, and I am a very grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives have become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him, to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. 
I thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Irene. Now I'd like to ask Margaret to please read the 12 steps. Good morning, Janice. Good morning, Vision for You. This is Margaret, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Illinois. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Margaret. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topics. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. And today we resume our study of the big book. We are in the chapter into action. And we're going to begin today on page 76, the third paragraph on that page. And I'd like to ask Esther, Esther to please get us started. Good morning. My name is Esther, and I'm a compulsive overeater in Canada. Now we find more action, without which we find... Now we need more action, without which we find that faith without works is dead. Let's look at steps eight and nine. We have a list of all persons we have harmed and to whom we are willing to make amends. We made it when we took inventory. We subjected ourselves to a drastic self-appraisal. Now we go out to our fellows and repair the damage done in the past. We attempt to sweep away the debris which has accumulated out of our efforts to live on self-will and run to the show ourselves. If we haven't the will to do this, 
we ask until it comes. Remember, it was agreed at the beginning that we would go to any lengths for victory over alcohol. So there's, there's lots in this paragraph, but what I'd like to uh, focus on today is the fact that this step, which is the step where we make amends and clean up the past, is, was actually divided into two. First, um, eight, where we've listed the, um, all those that we have harmed, and then in and step nine, and, and excuse me, in step eight, we also have to become willing to make amends. And then in step nine, when we go out to do them, um, and I always appreciated that these steps were divided into two. I didn't think that amends would be such a difficult thing until, of course, I came to this step. And in, in step eight, what I did, and of course, the information I took from the, you know, inventory I had made in step four, but I was, you know, going to uh, look that over and see who I heard and how and and become willing to set things right, you know, clean clean up my side of the street. And this listing of uh, those who I have harmed and how I was going to make amends to them helped me. It helped me prepare because I, a lot of things, uh, suddenly when I made this list, a lot of things almost seemed to stand in the way of my... my uh, um, wanting to make amends. So, for example, sometimes I would feel defensive uh, about making amends or I'd try to justify and say, but they started or whatever it was. There were some situations where I was, you know, felt embarrassment at having to make uh, a certain amends or to clean up what I had done there. And with in other cases, they um, there were situations where I, you know, conveniently forgot or didn't realize the impact of my actions on certain people and didn't think any amends was in order. So it was very helpful to me to sit down, create this list, and go over each name with my sponsor. And at the same time, um, to write down how I was going to pursue or find the people here because uh, um, not everybody was currently in my life. and Some of them I'd have to find and even figure out if they were still living in the same city as I was. And then once I made that list and went over it, I, I had to um, have a willingness and, a, and courage to go go out there and, and make these amends. And, and it didn't come easy with all of them, so my sponsor suggested that I you know, assign a certain category to each amends and one that I was willing to do now, one that I was willing to do at some other time, and then one, ones that I wasn't currently prepared to do. And she assured me that if I would do the easy amends first, that the somehow the other amends would become easier to do, and that's and that's actually what my experience was. So this is why this, you know, dividing the amends into two steps, which is what uh, Bill did for us, was take the um, action of making amends and divide it into two parts, was very helpful for me. It uh, it made me more ready to do the the amends that I needed to do and, and ensured that I would do them properly and not just, you know, run out there without thinking and, and just start apologizing all over the place. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Esther. Would anyone like to comment on this paragraph? This is Kim. Go ahead, Kim. Good morning, Janice. Good morning, my fellows. My name is Kim. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. Now we need more action, without which we find that faith without works is dead. Man, they weren't kidding when they called this chapter into action, huh? It's like the momentum is building. You know, I think sometimes we like to, to take our time with these steps. You know, let's, let's take a month 
for each step. After all, there's 12 steps. So I can take a month. I can take a full year. Do one step a month. But here, look at the pace that we've had. We've done this fearless moral inventory. We've we've sat down with someone and we told them all our story in step five, which they said you'd be ready for a couple of hours. And then they said take one hour to reflect. One hour is the only rest we have. And then six and seven is two paragraphs. So really, if you look at the pace, five, six, and seven are all done in one afternoon, in one day. And yet we have to take all this time to analyze our character defects, let me reflect on this, reflect on that. This is the pace. So now that we are said to God, you know, we are willing to have you have all of me, good and bad, now what I'm going to do is I'm going to take more action. And it says we have a list of all persons we had problems. We have a list. Not that we need to make the list. We already have a list. Where does that list come from? The list comes from our inventory. You know, I know one of the mistakes I made and one of the mistakes I see is that we like to pick and choose what steps we do. So we come in, we find this quote-unquote answer of the diet, and we're like, oh, I'm going to start making amends. And we wind up making bigger messes than beforehand because we don't understand what we're making amends for. That's why it's so critical that we go through step four and we do all four columns so we see our part. And we tell another person so that we can get some perspective about what our part was and what we actually need to make amends to. And then we ask God to remove all these character defects so that we're going into these amends with an open heart. So we, we have this list already, but we need to take action. You know, faith without works is dead. I am someone that's always had the best of intentions, the best of intentions. But if, it, if the action didn't follow it up, the intentions meant nothing. I intended to go back to school for five or six years. But until I did the actions, I never went back to school. I want to be recovered. I have the best of intentions. But faith without works is dead. So what's required now? Now we, have, we need more action without, without which we find that faith without, without works is dead. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? It's Monica. It's Go ahead, Monica. Good morning, Jan. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Yahoo! Steps eight and nine here. We're getting there. We're getting there. But again, like it says, and everybody's been saying, we need more action here. Um, and it says we have the list. Yes. You have that list that your very first list that you wrote out, your list of all those people you resented, principles and institutions. There's your list. So you go back to this list and you write down all the names again. And this, remember, this is done with your sponsor. And you will go through this list and you'll look at each name. And there's different types of amends that are made. There's a direct amends where you do a face-to-face -face amends to someone. There's living amends where, you know, in the big book it says we don't make amends to people in, when it would harm them. So in the times and the places where we've done things, we've been critical, we've been judgmental, we've done these things to people, you know, we've, we've hurt them. Well, now we're not going to go run into them and tell them all this stuff we did in our head. We are going to do living amends, you know, be nice. 
Be nice, Monica. Do something you wouldn't have done before. Say something you wouldn't have said before. Keep your mouth shut, Monica. These are living amends. And then also letters. I was instructed to write letters to those people on my list who had died or I had no um, way of knowing where they were, but this was a preparation in case something came up and I was able to do an amends. So this is how I did step eight went through the list and went by each name and I wrote direct living or letter beside the name. And if I had a question about what type of an amends I owed with somebody, I put a question mark and I would discuss this with my sponsor. And then step nine would come. And yes, yes, if we haven't the will to do this, we ask until it comes, you know. And remember, what, what do you want? What do you want? Do you want recovery? And if your answer is yes, oh, you are so close. Remember those ninth step promises we read about all the time? It says, before we are halfway through, halfway through doing what? Making our amends. Those promises will come through. You will see recovery during the process of making your ninth step amends. So, Yahoo, you're so close. Don't stop now. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Monica. Was that Irini next? Yes, thank, thank you, Janice. Good morning, my spiritual fellows. Um, my name is Irini, a very grateful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. I'm going to concentrate. There's so much here. I'm going to concentrate now. We need more action without which we find that faith without works is dead. So for me, you know, vocabulary... It could really kill me. The words that I use can really, really kill me. But it can also save me. You know, words are so powerful. They form my thoughts. So changing how I see these things, changing how I see things from um, the, the words that I use, from I to we, right there, it gives me instantaneous shift from self to God, with God. And I can only be balanced when I'm in the we form. And as we are in the we form, I'm walking in togetherness as a team, hand in hand, with my partner. And I'm doing everything, everything that I do, I do for God. It's not for others. It's not for myself. When I do it for God, I'm doing it from my heart. It's with love. It's not about self-gratification or credit. That's when I live in my will. But if I do it for God, I do it with love. And having faith is a gift from God. When I have faith, then I have stability in my life. Because then I can accept he can do for me what I cannot do for myself. And he will not do, and he will not do what I can for myself. I thank you and I pass. Thank you, Adini. This is Janice, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Now we need more action. Now we need more action, without which we find that faith without works is dead. You know, I... I I'm always reminded of what we just read 
you know, if I said that seven-step prayer and meant it with my whole heart, then I have given myself over now to my creator. I'm willing that my creator now have all of me because that's where I needed the strength. You know, it came in in steps one, two, and three, I started to get right with God. I started to see where I was powerless and I began to turn my will and my life over. And then I did four and five and I started to get right with myself. I started to look at myself. It was all about looking at the harms I had done to other people, the places where I had been resentful and fearful and inconsiderate. And now I'm going to start to get right with other people. Holy moly, who knew that this progression of the steps would start taking me through each of these aspects of my life? You know, I had to get connected to my higher power and look clearly at myself. And now I'm going to start to turn a little outward and I'm going to start to look at other people. And where did I harm these other people? You know, my self-will was all about being self-seeking. Self-seeking. Me, me, me. And I was dishonest and resentful as a result of it. But God's will is going to be about being honest and being giving and being forgiving. And so that's going to have me looking at other people here now. And it says, I can have all the faith in the world and I can talk about that faith But until I start taking action on that faith, nothing's going to change. Nothing's going to change. So faith without those works of steps eight and nine isn't going to get me where I need to go. You know, and I have that list. I filled out those resentment sheets and those fear sheets and that sex conduct. So I have a lot of stuff to look at here that came out of my inventory. And I might not be able to see immediately as I'm making here step eight where all the harms were, but I start making that list anyway. I start making that list, and I know that my recovered sponsor will help me look at that list and help me see where I need to make amends and where I don't need to make amends, where those amends would be harmful to someone else. Because, you know, we know that steps eight it's not going to be, it's going to be making a list of all the people we had harmed and becoming willing to make amends to them all. So I need to be clear about this step and about where, what harms I might have done. And I can't always look at that by myself and know that. So we already subjected ourselves. We subjected ourselves to a drastic self-appraisal, it says. Now we're going to go out to our fellows and repair the damage done in the past. You know, what a beautiful, beautiful thing. And I have to be willing to do that. And so I pray, even if I'm not willing, I pray that my creator, I have turned myself over to you. And if I'm not willing, right here, right now, in this second, I pray the willingness will come. Because I don't want to go back to where I was. Please, God, I don't want to go back to where I was. And I was willing to go to any length for victory over compulsive overeating. And I've been building on that willingness all along. And with that, I'll pass. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Good morning. It's Leah. Go ahead, Leah. Thank you so much, Janice. Good morning, everybody. My name is Leah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. We attempted to sweep away the debris which has accumulated out of our effort to live on self-will 
and run the show ourselves. So we attempt to sweep away the debris, and of course debris means trash, you know, uh, the remains of something broken down. So we attempt to sweep away the trash, the debris which has accumulated out of my effort to live on self-will. Essentially, self-will is the root of my troubles, right? I have been self-reliant, self-sufficient, and in the efforts to get what I wanted, to get my wishes met and my demands met to my specifications, I have been in constant collision with everything and everyone. And we step on the toes of other people and they retaliate and it creates a big mess, a big mess of trash. So, you know, uh, again, we attempt to sweep away the debris which has accumulated out of our effort to live on self-will, run riot, essentially, and run the show ourselves. So this step is giving me an opportunity to live in harmony with my fellow human beings. It gives me the chance to set things right with other people and to get rid of the trash. Because the whole goal here, my number one priority in this process is to access God. That's my mission. That's the mission of the big book, to, to, to get us in touch with God. That's the number one priority is to access this power. And self-will has blocked that power out. So these steps allow for a transformation so that God can control my mind. But God can't control my mind if my mind is being dominated by something that occurred in the past. This trash, the resentments, the uh, fears, the guilt, the remorse. So the only way to get rid of these things is to clear them up. And this process of steps eight and nine is the process of getting rid of the guilt and remorse that I have over things that I've done in the past. Because how in the world am I going to live free on December 6, 2012, if I am dragging the actions of the 80s with me? It's hard to live happy, joyous, and free today on Thursday, December 6, 2012, if while I'm walking down the street, I'm hoping I don't bump into my former boss or the bank executive or my ex-boyfriend or an old friend, an old acquaintance, you know, family members. That's the wreckage of my past. That wreckage resides in my head between my ears. <laughs> Remember, the greater aspect of my disease resides between my ears. It resides between my ears. I have a spiritual malady a spiritual malady, and when this malady is overcome, I straighten out mentally and physically. And if it exists in my head, if this collision and this conflict and this guilt and remorse exists in my head, it's a threat to my serenity. It disturbs me one day at a time as I'm trying to live my life. So that's why it's imperative that we clean away this debris which has accumulated out of my effort to live on self-will and run the show myself. And it says here, remember, it was agreed at the beginning we would go to any lengths for victory over alcohol. We would go to any lengths. What is that length? That length is a spiritual awakening. That's the length I'm trying to reach. I'm trying to have a spiritual awakening, a personality change sufficient to bring about recovery. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? 
This is Paula. May I comment? Go ahead, Paula. Thank you, Janice. You know, I'm going to start right where it starts here, the first word. Now we need more action. We know the name of this chapter is into action. Well, wait, okay, we're into action, but even more. And it says, without which we find that faith without works is dead. But with works, with works, faith with works is alive. And here is where you live. Then you can proceed. That's how it starts. It's very clear here. Without works, honey, you can't do this. Without this faith, you can't do this. With this faith, in what? In myself, in my abilities? Oh, I tried that one. With God. Then I can finally look at the steps eight and nine. Now I can look. With faith. Then I can list the persons we have harmed and to whom I am willing to make amends. Then I took, take the inventory. Then I can subject myself to drastic self-appraisal. Only then can I do that. And again, because the faith isn't in myself. I tried this by myself. It couldn't work. But when those words change and you realize the realization, faith with works is alive, you are alive. And here you live, I repeat this again, because it is a marvelous transformation, a transformation of how you think and what you do. And you don't do it alone. Thank you for allowing me to share with that. I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph before we move on? Hi, Christy. Go ahead, Christy. Hi, good morning. Thanks, Janice. Good morning, A Vision for You. This is Christy, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. In this part of this paragraph, we attempt to sweep away the debris which is accumulated out of our effort to live on self-will and run the show ourselves. Um, you know, what that reminds me of is... You know, the first the first fourth step I did, you know, I had to sweep away the debris of my past with a bulldozer. You know, I needed a bulldozer to clean up the wreckage of my past. I needed a roll-off. I needed a big dumpster. You know, I needed... You know, I needed a lot of work. I'd been, uh, unfortunately, in active addiction for decades, um, and I really needed, um, I needed a lot of work. I needed a lot of work. Um, and, you know, to hear that I was, or to know that I was carrying around things, I mean, you know, I, you know for me, I was carrying around things that happened in the 60s. When I was a little kid, you know, I was carrying around the fact that I'd stolen a classmate's, you know, purple plastic bracelet and hid it in my closet in my bedroom. You know, I'm carrying around that kind of stuff. You know, and there's not room for that kind of stuff in my brain in addition to, you know, a compulsion to eat that was driving me insane. You know, that's a lot of stuff. I needed a bulldozer to clean all that stuff out of my head. And, um, you know, today, today in recovery, the beauty of recovery is that I don't need a bulldozer every week. I don't need a bulldozer to clean out the wreckage of my past every day. You know, now, you know, it's maybe a whisk broom every once in a while, you know, because I keep up with this daily. I keep up with this daily. It's like walking into, you know, a home that, you know, maybe there's a little clutter on the dining room table or maybe there's, um, 
you know, you know, a few crumbs on the kitchen floor. It's not like a, a, a home that someone has never thrown the trash away in for decades. And that's what it looked like in the beginning for me. Um, but it wasn't something that I had to do alone. It was not something I had to do alone. I had, I had the help. I had the help of my sponsor and I had the help of my fellows who had gone through all of this before me or who were going through this with me who, you know, we could, you know, talk about together. Oh, my God, I can't believe, you know, I'm, why am I carrying around the fact that I stole Debbie's bracelet in the third grade, you know, because I wasn't living a life of honesty back then in the third grade, but I wasn't in the third grade anymore, and it was time to take care of that. It was time to get rid of that. It was time to get rid of that. And why did I need to get rid of that? I needed to get rid of that because, as it says in this last sentence, you know, it was agreed at the beginning we would go to any lengths for victory, for victory over alcohol, food in my case. I was, you know, I had a disease that was doing push-ups in the background that was just waiting, just waiting, that was telling me things like, this is really hard. This is going to be really hard. In fact, it's going to be impossible. It's going to be impossible. And I needed to be reminded that I, you know, I didn't care how hard it was. I didn't care how uncomfortable it made me. I did not care. I did not care. I did not want to live chained and imprisoned by that addiction. Not for one more minute. I'd given my life away. I had given my life away. And I wanted my life back. I wanted my life back. And... You know, I knew that I had to take action. I knew that I had to take action. Like I said, uncomfortable or not. There was nothing more uncomfortable to me than living in addiction. There was nothing more uncomfortable for me than that. And I had no idea that freedom was possible, but you all told me it was. You all told me it was, and I didn't believe it. I didn't believe it. But I knew that the only way to build on faith, on that faith I had that, you know, maybe if it worked for you, it would work for me, is to take some action, is to take some action. I needed to take action. Action to me is what built upon that faith. I knew that I could go through these steps. I could live through what the big book taught me to do to clean up the wreckage of my past past and to have a complete transformation of you know, mind and body, I had, you know, in order to do that, I had to follow what had been laid out in this big book. And I, I, just, I just blindly went through that. And by taking that action, it built upon that faith that if it was possible for you, it would be possible for me. And you know what? It happened. It happened for me. I'm free today. I'm free today from wanting to take that first bite from wanting to take that first bite. And I'm so grateful for that. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Christy. Was there someone else besides Christy who wanted to share in this paragraph? Yeah, this is Penny C. Go ahead, Penny. Um, I just wanted to say that this um, paragraph reminds me of how the um, working the 12 steps changed the way I prayed. You know, for years and years I prayed the what what now I know are the sixth and seventh steps. I was I was ready to have God remove all my defects of character. I was ready for him to remove the the fat I carried around, the extra weight. And and I I, I did ask God every day 
to make me a better person and in particular to help me lose the weight and become normal size and then feel feel normal but that's where my prayers ended you know if i had written the seventh uh, the the steps i would have stopped at step 7 all i had to do was ask god and then sit back and 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 just accept whatever god was going to do and if god didn't do what i asked him then my prayers weren't answered but if he did, well, see, God answers prayers. And now I realize that that wasn't enough, that this whole thing about taking action, I had to do something about it. You know, it's like I heard a priest one time talking about someone asked him, Father, will you help me to pray? I've got a, a toothache. And he said, yes, I'll pray with you and for you. And you sit here and make an appointment with the dentist and get going. So that this really did change the way I, the way I prayed, the way I thought, the way I lived my life, and um, I remember reading this paragraph with my sponsor and saying, "Oh my God, you mean all that work I did, all those resentments, pages and pages of pages of resentments, that wasn't enough. That wasn't the end, and and indeed, no, it wasn't. I needed to now." you know, be, be on good terms with my fellows and and realize the, the self-centeredness that caused me to harm others. So with that, I pass. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Penny. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? All right, we're going to move on to the next paragraph. And Katie, would you read that for us? Okay, this is Katie, a compulsive overeater. Probably there are still some misgivings. As we look over the list of business acquaintances and friends we have heard, we may feel diffident about going to some of them on a spiritual basis. Let us be reassured. To some people, we need not and probably should not emphasize the spiritual feature of our first approach. We might prejudice them. At the moment, we are trying to put our lives in order. But this is not an end in itself. Our real purpose is to fit ourselves to be of maximum service to God and the people about us. It is seldom wise to approach an individual who still smarts from our injustice to him and announce that we have gone religious. In the prize ring, this would be called leading with the chin. Why lay ourselves open to being branded fanatics or religious bores? We may kill a future opportunity to carry a beneficial message but our man is sure to be impressed with a sincere desire to set right the wrong. He is going to be more interested in a demonstration of goodwill than our talk of spiritual discoveries. Wow. <laughs> this is a huge paragraph, but um, let's see. I think that, uh, you know, the main thing is that we don't... <laughs> What I get out of this is that we don't have to share our whole fourth step with with the people that we make amends to. We don't have to tell them everything that's happened and is going on. We need to stick to the facts of our situation with that person. And we certainly do not make amends to people that have no idea how we felt. Um, You know, you don't tell someone, I've always thought you were a jerk, 
Um, but now I've changed, and I'm not going to think that way about you anymore. You know, we don't we do not do that kind of thing. We don't tell people, you know, I've always resented how pretty you are, but now, you know, I'm losing weight, so I don't feel so bad. Um, and for me, uh, since my eating was done at a very young age, there was a lot of stuff that I did that nobody <laughs> nobody knew about. So for me, it was turning around, and walking the other way and stopping that behavior. And um, that's what this is talking about. Um, He's going to be more interested in a demonstration of goodwill than in our talk of spiritual discovery. Um, We need to not just rant and rave about our program if we've been working, you know. I mean, we talk about uh, not taking too long on doing these steps, but we also can't rush through them to the point where they're really not cemented into our lives. We can't jump to this step and say, oh, yeah, I realize, you know, I've been, I've done this and I need to go run back and, and uh, make amends right now. We can't skip on this process and we need to work with a sponsor in order to be sure that what we are doing is in the best interest of the other person as much as it is for ourselves. This isn't an opportunity to clear our conscience by, you know, making someone else feel bad. Um, So I think there's just a ton of instruction in here. And, um, but, you know, I like this. Um, You know, let us be reassured. And that is the thing that uh, we can take away is that there are... (laughs) hundreds and thousands of people who have gone through this process. And, um, you know, once you go through it, you know, as Christy said, you don't have to keep thinking about, you know, what you did in the third grade. And, you know, when I read through these um, paragraphs, what I think about is my father, who I did not have a good relationship with, but, um, you know, when he died very unexpectedly, I had no regrets because I had cleaned house and I had changed how I treated him um, for the rest of his life uh, as I knew him as best I could. Um, And that is our goal, is to keep moving forward, to keep staying changed. We don't clear up the wreckage of our past and then just start new stuff. Uh, That's the beauty of this program. And um, with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Katie. Would anyone like to comment on this paragraph? Well, this is Janice, and I'd like to I'd like to start on uh, on this paragraph as well. You know, probably there are still some mis- misgivings. You think? You know, if if you're anything like me was like, oh my, here we go, here we go. You know, this making this list seemed a pretty daunting task, really looking clearly now at how I had harmed other people. That, that was going to be a big leap of faith, a big leap of faith and a leap into action. But I wasn't going to do it without some preparation. You know, this is what this paragraph is showing me. You know, we are not going to do it without some preparation. And we're going to be looking at those amends that we're going to be making 
And how are we going to, what's it going to look like to approach someone? What's it going to look like? You know, with my sponsor, I even wrote out a script. Sometimes I wrote out a script. What words will I say? You know, am I going to go to this person and say, I have found God. I'm a compulsive overeater. I have found God. I'm not compulsively overeating anymore. I, you know, God is the, is the power. You know, I'm not going to do that. And why am I not going to do that? Well, the big book is teaching me so clearly here that I might, I might prejudice the person right out of the chute. They might say, oh, my God, you know, this person is a fanatic. This person's gone religious and not be able to hear anything else that I have to say. So I'm going to go in and not emphasize the spiritual angle right away. I'm just going to say with a heartfelt sincerity that I want to make right the things that I've done. I want to make right the things that I've done. I'm sorry for what I've done, and I want to make it right. How can I make it right? You know, so they're preparing me here for how I might do that and how it might look. Because it says, but our man is sure to be impressed with a sincere desire to set right the wrong. He's going to be more interested in a demonstration of goodwill than in our talk of spiritual discovery. You know, that might come at a later date. If I have a continuing relationship at all with that person, they might see and hear from me at a later date more about the spiritual place that I found. But in the beginning, I need not go there right away. You know, I can, I can be there in my sincerity. You know, I'm trying to live a new way. You know, if I go into this program using it only to keep me from compulsively eating, I'm cheating myself. I'm cheating myself. What I need to do is use this as a program for living, for living, because that had been my... That had been my problem all along, not being able to live in conscious contact with my higher power and in harmony with my fellows. So I'm going to get some lessons here, and I'm going to get some opportunities here. But I'm going to be making this list, and I'm going to be talking it over with someone else, someone recovered who can help guide me, who continues to grow with me into this new way of living. And with that, I'll pass. Would anyone like to comment on this paragraph? This is Robin. Go ahead, Robin. Uh, Good morning, everybody. This is Robin. I'm a compulsive overeater. This is one of those paragraphs that reminds me of the wisdom of Bill W. and how he protects me from myself. Um, You know, I remember when when I first became abstinent and I was just on fire with this program and I was gonna I wanted to stand on the rooftops and shout, you know, God did this and I am abstinent for the first time ever and I mean I was ready to tell the whole world about it. And um you know, to a few people that might sound like proselytizing. I'm not sure how to pronounce that, but there's some people in my life who might think that I'm trying to convert them. And what what he says here at the end of this paragraph, he's, he, the other man, is going to be more interested in a demonstration of goodwill than in our talk of spiritual discoveries because I'd done that all my life. I've found this new program. I've found this new thing I'm doing. Everything's going to change now. 
And, you know, um, the continuation of my spiritual growth was what spoke volumes to people rather than I found something new and everything, everybody should follow because this is the best thing that ever happened to me. And the reason is, up at the top of the paragraph, our real purpose is to fit ourselves to be of maximum service to God and the people about us. My brain tells me that I should go out and sell you on this because I finally found something that works for me and you should too. But what I'm told here is my real purpose is to fit myself to my higher power, not to do anything out of my own immature um, need to go out and save the world, my own immature need to pronounce to the world that now I'm healthy, um, now I can have healthy relationships, my own immature need to um, maybe get your approval because finally I'm on the right track. So, you know, once again, I'm given a chance here to follow directions from somebody who's gone first. Don't take my first um, inclination, which is to go out and shout from the rooftops. You should all join us because we found something so wonderful. But to take my time to remember that my higher power is behind all of this, to um, let my actions speak instead of my words, a really good chance to zip my lip and to just let my actions be um, be what my what the people in my life see. They can see how my life has changed because of who I've become, not because of what I say. Um, with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Robin. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Leah. Go ahead, Leah. Thank you so much. At this moment, at the moment, we are trying to put our lives in order. That's exactly what these steps do. You know, these steps put me back together the way God intended me to be. So steps one, two, and three put me in proper alignment with God, meaning there is a God and I'm not it. Steps four through seven put me in proper alignment with my mind, helping me to eliminate those character defects that are blocking me from God's power. And steps eight and nine are there, so when I leave the house, I'm not in constant conflict and collision with everybody out there. So in essence, this step process, these actions, steps four through nine, are putting me in harmony with three major relationships. My relationship with God, please God save me because I am self-destructing by my own hands. Um, you know, putting me back in harmony with myself, putting me in harmony with other people. It says, but this is not an end in itself. Our real purpose is to fit ourselves to be a maximum service to God and to the people and the people about us. Oh, there's a point. There's a purpose. There's an aim. There's an objective to this whole thing. This is not just a process that seems agonizing as we read it as newcomers. This whole point is to enable me to be a servant, to serve, to utilize those God-given strengths and talents that each and every one of us has to serve, to serve God. You know, so these steps are, are uh, you know, tear down this prison that I had built around me. I had built a prison around me of self-will run riot. 
And these steps build me up by tearing me down. This character building is actually accomplished by first tearing down, getting rid of the things that are in my way of serving God. And what remains is what we're after. What remains is what we're after. Because with, with that, we can put our best self forward to help God and to other people. You know, that's the whole point here. This whole point is, you know, can I be of maximum service? You know, can I get out of the way so that I can be a better person? I mean, it's great that we get on the line every morning and, you know, we love each other for this hour. But how am I behaving the 23 other hours of the day? You know, am I bringing harmony and love and understanding and peace and forgiveness and cooperation and unity to those about me? Well, that's possible through these steps. And, of course, it says here, He is going to be more interested in a demonstration of goodwill than in our talk of spiritual discoveries. You know, the person that I'm going to make amends with, as it's been previously commented, isn't going to care that I have found God. What they're going to care is, am I the kind of person that they enjoy being with? Do I respect other people? Do I help encourage them to be their best? Do I bring them love and harmony and cheer for the day? Can I do that? Can I give them a shoulder to perhaps cry on, an ear that can listen to their woes? Can I be that person? Can I help bring a little God into their day? You know, that's the principles we're talking about. You know, can we be the best example that the big book has to offer for today? Can we be a living example of the big book? And we do that through these actions, demonstration of goodwill. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? It's Irini. Go ahead, Irini. Thank you, Janice. Good morning, my spiritual fellows. My name is Irini, a very grateful recovered compulsive overeater. Our real purpose is to fit ourselves to be of maximum service to God and the people about us. Why is that so? Why? So God can touch others through us. So when we do it, we do it when we do it with love and doing it for God. And that is the main purpose. And he wants for us to be at peace with each other and to ourselves. And we need to first pray for the right words and the right thoughts. And then we need to share it with our sponsor and uh, to practice this new way of behavior and um, to focus how on God sees things and how, you know, what words God would use and how he would feel and what he would hear. I thank you and I pass. Thank you, Irene. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Paula Mashia. Go ahead, Paula. Thank you, Janice. Well, as we come in here, it says we look over the the list of business acquaintances and friends we have hurt. Okay, we're already starting that we hurt these people. Now we acknowledge that. You know, it goes on to explain to us about because we don't know, and this is why we go to our sponsor and we go to God because I don't want to know what is too much and what is too little. I never did. This is something I'm learning. 
But it does clearly say the wreckage of the past, the wreckage. And this is what we're building. We need to get rid of the wreckage of the past. And here is how we come about it. You know, for those of us that know um, Dragnet the movie, and Joe Friday, and he always would say, just the facts, ma'am, nothing but the facts. Good. How is that? I mean, I would always embellish or take away from or add to just the facts. And then it said, our real purpose is to fit ourselves of maximum service to God. Oh, I got that one. Yeah, that's right. But wait, it doesn't end there. Nor in life does it end there. And the people about us. Stop giving them the minimum. Give them the maximum. You know, and it does. It goes on. And I, I used to love this. Well, I've got it now, and I'm going to give it to you. Oh, you don't want it? Oh, well, that doesn't really matter. Even here. I had to learn. What does it say? We lay ourselves open to be branded fanatics or religious boys. But this part, oh, that's fine. I don't, you know, even that part, that was bad enough. But wait, we may kill a future opportunity to carry a beneficial message. Is that not our primary purpose always? But it ends with, but our man is sure to be impressed with a sincere desire to set the right wrong. Is that what we're doing? Do we know that clearly, that our motives? And does it not say at the end, it's not just the talking, the spiritual experiences. It isn't that they'll hear the difference. They'll see the difference. It's a combination. Word and deed comes together here. Because why? He's going to be more interested in a demonstration of goodwill. Now here it's clear in our talk of spiritual discoveries. Hmm, don't we read in the big book it would make a skeptic of anyone? Truly. Thank you for allowing me to share. With that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Well, we'll close the meeting here. Um, and thank you to everyone who has shared. We will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And I'd like to ask Penny C. if you would read that for us, please. Thank you. Thank you very much. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditations what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.